Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Getting Your Life Back with uh, me, Cade Cooper. Um, if this is the first time you've seen my episodes, I launched this product about a month ago. Um, the whole idea is to share, firstly, how I went through some really hard things and how I processed my trauma and the tools and methods I used in order to, you know, overcome a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, get my life back today. With that, I um, have brought on different people and have a cast of a, a long list of really amazing people that will come on and share maybe different ways that they got their life back as well. You know, I realize not everyone's religious, not everyone believes in God, um, you know, not everyone believes in certain things. My, my goal here is not to change your political ideology, your religion, or anything else. I'm just throwing out suggestions and ideas. I don't claim to know everything. I don't know everything. I know different people heal in different ways, and uh, but I think there are certain principles that are fairly universal that, you know, if we understand and implement, can help us out. So as, as part of this, I've also done some smaller segments on specific topics that I think are very relevant. Um, I have spent 10 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars um, learning about the body and mind. Um, I, I've been taught for years by one of the best therapists in the United States and, you know, through a ton of good and bad decisions and learning from them and, you know, in the end being empowered by the God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, my hope is I can share some things with you and, and you don't have to go through all the pain and stuff I went through in order to learn some of these things. So, you know, this episode is, is different. I've known for a while I was going to do it and um, there, you know, there's a little apprehension there, um, a little inadequacy for sure, but, you know, the more I pray, the more I feel like it, I, I need to do it because I feel like it's something that can really help people. Um, the name is um, the myth of friends with benefits, you know. And anytime I, I talk about, you know, my morals or standards, a common reaction I get is, is, you know, people feel judged. Well, I don't really care the way that you live your life. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I can don't have to compromise my, my convictions to be compassionate. And, you know, if, if you don't believe that this is... Uh, uh, thing that God has commanded, well, I, I, you know, I don't know how to convey that or, or convince you of that. Otherwise, I can certainly talk about some of the effects that I think are universal, whether you do or not. My point being, look, I believe what I believe because of everything I've been through and the way I've sought God out, uh, regardless of what He asked me to do or what His truth was. And I certainly have uh, strong faith in this stuff, but at the same time, I have a lot of friends who don't live like this at all. I have a friend who's a swinger. He's an awesome guy. He's extremely nice. He does not deal in deception with women. He's honest and upfront, and I like him. I can't make a judgment call of where he's at in life. I, I simply don't know. Do I think he's going to suffer some of these things as he does this? Yes. I think you know, it's just a byproduct. I don't think God punishes us. I think He allows us to experience consequences. So, you know, as part of this too, Satan, whenever you attempt to do good things, he always tries to paint weakness as hypocrisy. And as I'll talk about in this episode, I have not always been perfect by any means, right? And it's become 
uh, very aware to me that I, I need to watch my actions in public a lot uh, closer than you know I previously had because the perception of reality can, can be re reality you know and, and for me even inciting these emotions you know even if I know that there's um, no potential or no future to me I believe can cause harm and so it's something I've, I've really you know even the last week or two thought about and you know trying to change but I am a rough stone rolling <laughs> but I'm not a hypocrite I'm not a hypocrite you know so with that you know I want to talk about three points that I think um are, are important to understand with this you know this idea here you know the first is the physical let's let's use the the brain and let's use addiction as the framework so in your brain we have two very important parts we have what's called our prefrontal cortex well that's your part of your brain that you use to make good decisions right it's your thinking part your processing part your moral compass among other things and then you have your side brain or your your limbic system that's that's important and for your appetites your passions your desires it's also designed to keep you alive well, if you're drowning and someone is stepping on your head, let's say you have a knife in your hand. Well, most of us would stab that person in the leg in order to live, right? Well, normally we wouldn't just stab someone. If, if you're going around and stabbing people, you, you probably need to seek a lot deeper help than, than my YouTube channel. So, But what would happen is the, the limbic system would realize your life's in danger. It would, on purpose, shut off your prefrontal cortex that says, I won't stab someone, and you would stab that person so you would live. Well, in addiction, it gets crossed as well. So the alcoholic goes into a gas station. He's starving, needs food, water, right? He sees alcohol. The limbic system, if he's far enough in his disease, will literally shut down that thinking part, the prefrontal cortex, and he will think he needs alcohol more than anything else. Well, there's two ways... Well, there, there, there's one way, one thing that has to happen for a woman to climax. That prefrontal cortex has to shut off. It has to. There's a book called The Female Brain that talks about it in depth. It has to shut off. Um, there's two ways to do that. Well, you know, there's this old joke that, you know, sex is good until you get married, right? Um, and there's a lot of people that ask a, a very valid question as well, right? Like, I need to know... If, if I'm sexually compatible with you before, you know, I get married. Well, I think a lot of time people use that as a deception and there's never really, a, they never really care or want to marry the person. They just want to have sex. But it's a valid question. But at its core, there's a, a fundamental misunderstanding. So the first way for, um, you know, a, a woman to climax is to numb or use the the effects of sex without feeling safe um, as a drug basically the man and it will numb that prefrontal cortex and she can have an orgasm well the the critical component here is that uh, she needs to feel safe right but if she doesn't you know during sex she'll have a certain surge of dopamine that will just rush through her body but she won't have any of what it's a very critical thing called oxytocin it's another chemical in our brain that's our bonding chemical right it's it's the one that makes us fall in love it's the one that makes us care and have meaningful relationships or makes us um you know uh, want to cuddle after we make love well if we do not feel safe if there's not that connection it's just like a drug 
your brain is flushed with dopamine, and then when you're done, she and the guy will downregulate, right? And it's it, it can be very painful. There can be physical withdrawals. There's certainly emotional things that come into play, you know? So, you know, a lot of these guys, and I, you know, I've heard it for a long time, and guys don't really talk to me like this anymore, but they, oh, I'm such a stud. I, you know, I really got her. And I'm like, are you a stud, brother? You, you used her trauma and you manipulated it, um, and she, she used you like a drug and numb and you did it for your gratification. Well, in the next episode, I'll talk a lot more about the deception men use when dating, but that's one way for it to happen, you know? And the reason why it probably doesn't get as good during sex is, is you know, the, the, the thrill, right? The forbiddenness, right? The, the different things kind of go, right? And we have to start thinking logically about things. We may have a sick child. We may lose a job or something like that. If that connection is not built on safetyness and love, um, eventually that person is not going to do it for us. They're not going to be a strong enough uh, presence to just numb our pain. And then sex isn't that enjoyable. There's another way. There's a healthy way. There's the way that God has intended, and it's to feel safe, right? The, 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 the way to have great sex and to help a woman have great sex. And, you know, for me, great sex is uh, impossible unless the woman's enjoying it, um, is to shut off that prefrontal cortex in a healthy way. It's from morning to night to do what she wants done, right? If she wants the dishes done, you do the dishes, right? You know, you take out the trash, you help with the kids if you have kids. Um, this, is a, this is a hard one, but you, you give a back rub and you keep it at a back rub, right? Basically, you do whatever you need to do, and so at the end of the night, she has no need for that prefrontal cortex. It shuts down on its own. You're able to make, have the most fantastic, pleasureful, fulfilling love you've ever made. And after this safety or this chemical comes into the brain called oxytocin. And with it, you're able to cuddle and feel in love and you don't downregulate. It offsets that surge in dopamine and creates a very healthy experience. But the science with casual sex is damning. It's, it's not really different than pornography. If you continue in this and connecting and sharing these very powerful emotions and these very powerful actions with people without feeling safe or casually, eventually your brain will stop creating oxytocin and you will lose the ability to pair bond, meaning these meaningful relationships um, in any shape or form will start to lose their power. You know, pornography does the same thing. I work a lot with people that are trying to get over pornography. And, you know, for a long time in my life, I was heavily addicted to it too. You know, but pornography at its core, you know, it eventually causes people, especially men, to say, hey, women are only here for our gratification. And in extreme, you know, addiction, men don't even want anything to do with a woman. It's just, it's just the computer. Well, it's because that bonding chemical, that chemical that connects us is destroyed, which is oxytocin. So regardless of your, your ethical or, or uh, you know, spiritual views on this, that the science is, is fairly indisputable, you know. The second thing we can talk about is, is the ethical stuff, you know. And as I alluded to, I certainly have not been perfect. 
I, I certainly have not been, and I've certainly learned as I've come along the way. But there's just certain things that I, I just have never done. I've, I've never hit a woman. I've never knowingly tried to manipulate or force a woman or deceived a woman into doing sexually that she didn't want to do. Um, and God is my witness. I'll say it right here with him now and I feel completely confident. I have at times certainly, I think, ignorantly uh, joked and made uh, jokes uh, or different things that have made women sexually uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I think it's probably been a while since I've done that because I've certainly became aware of that. But it's just not been, been in me, right? For me to get turned on, what turns me on is... Um, if a woman's turned on, you know, I had a major rejection trauma early in life and uh, I could talk another time how I got over that because I think rejections, you know, if it's if it's early, like, and if I don't like someone, it, it kind of entertains me to a little bit because the only one that matters to me is the one. But, uh, you know, what what turned me on was knowing that I was turning on my partner and seeing her turned on. You know, not forcing someone or, or pressuring, right? Obviously, when we're married, sometimes there's going to be situations, I'd imagine, I haven't been married before, where one, one partner's, you know, in the mood and one's not. And I think it's probably a little bit different if one of us is, you know, kind of trying to talk the other one into it. Um, I think where I'm at at this point in my life, right, like, I don't even, when I get married again, probably see myself doing that, like, it's, it's kind of my job to create that safe environment. Um, and if not, it's, it's just not fulfilling for me. And so that's, you know, that's something I shoot for. But, you know, the one thing that I, you know, the, there's not a judgment on people, right? Like, I've learned to, uh, you know, judge actions rather than people. I've, I deal with people that have been sexually abused, and I deal with sexual abusers, right? I've had assignments where I've had to follow a predator around an organization for months to try and keep him away from the girls. I've, I've you know, I've, I've, I've done these things, um, but I don't have respect for deception. I do not, and I see it all the time. And specifically, you know, within my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we're not doing a very good job because most of the women I talk to that are members of this church and want to marry a man that's of this church, by and large, the the common opinion is that we are the most entitled. We try and act one way, and then when behind closed doors, we act a completely different way. Well, you know, I have been accused of, of using God to manipulate women uh, more than once, but it is something I have never done, nor will I ever do. If you're, if you're using God, if you're acting one way to manipulate His daughters, uh, if there's one thing I know about my Father in Heaven, it's He loves His daughters. Good luck. Good luck. But I, you know, I've got six years of a sample size of uh, dating in Utah. <laughs> well, they date different, let's put it that way. Um, but here's what I see. Say I don't like this, I like this girl, but she doesn't really like me. But in a moment of weakness, she calls me, right? And we hook up and do whatever, right? And then she feels good for a minute. I feel terrible afterwards because, you know, I miss her and I'm hurting. So I know this girl who likes me that I don't really like, but I invite her to come over and we hook up, do whatever, right? I, for at least a little bit, feel better. Now she's hurt. So she calls up the next person that doesn't really like her or that likes her, but she doesn't really like, and it's a revolving pattern of using people like drugs. 
we cannot sit in our pain. The, you know, loneliness will not kill you. It may feel like it, but you know, when we're hurting, when we're sad especially, we are the most vulnerable. There's a line in, in Wedding Crashers, grief is nature's most powerful aphrodisiac. And, you know, this idea of friends with benefits, it looks good on paper, right? A lot of us, when we get out of traumatizing relationships, the last thing we want is to jump into a relationship. A lot of us realize we need to heal to an extent before we can jump in, right? A lot of us have such severe trauma, we've... we've uh, uh, have what's called avoidant attachment, where when we like someone, when we get really close to them, our alarms set off in our head and we're not able to let them close because of all the trauma there. But, you know, when we're, when we're really wanting someone, I think in order to, uh, you know, in order to find someone, we have to be in a relationship. I, I can understand why people are scared, but, you know, an interesting part of a relationship is, is when you get out, you get in one, you can you can choose to get out of it as well, right? <laughs> but it's hard, it's hard to heal, right? It's hard to stay alone. It's hard, especially after we've gotten our heart broke. But using people and hurting them in order to make ourselves feel better, I don't believe is the answer. You know, I, I am in recovery and I've been in, involved in the recovery uh, community in Utah for a long time. and. You know, I, I see this in these in these wonderful meetings, different things we have set up, right, where uh, these guys will be excited and happy. Well, I got clean, I quit drugs, I quit alcohol. Well, but then they use deception to deceive women. Well, they've just shifted their addictions. And brother, if you think that you're, you're doing good because you no longer do drugs or alcohol, but now you use God's daughters uh, in a deceiving type way, I don't think you've progressed. I think you've digressed. You know, and the, and the tough thing about that is, in a lot of these meetings, girls don't even go anymore. And uh, there is an answer. There is help in this stuff. There are powerful ways to get better, but they don't feel safe because these guys don't realize, that, you know, or they don't care that, you know, messing with someone with sexual stuff in early sobriety is extremely dangerous. You know, when I got clean, the reason, when I first heard about what the true way to get clean, it took me about six years, you know, it was back in 2013, I got, I think, clean in 2018, so I've been clean, you know, three and a half years now, but I would not give up dating. And, you know, I just wasn't uh, healthy enough emotionally to deal with the rapid shifts, intensity, and all the, all the things that come with dating, and despite my best intentions, all I offered to anyone who dated me was pain because I didn't love myself. And it's not that I was a bad guy. It's not that I was pressuring or deceiving. But if they really liked me, we accept the love I we feel we deserve. I would just push them away. And so I finally gave it up for a year, right? Well, I have not always been perfect. Like I said, you know, a couple of years ago, I met this gal. And it's just a beautiful gal and, you know, but I've never had anyone just immediately make such a offer. And, um, you know, she was extremely enticing and it was just extremely accessible. You know, and for three months after it happened, I, I kind of stayed away. It went against my religious convictions, you know, but I got weak. And about three months in, I was going through a lot of pain and I ran into her. And, you know, I decided, well, let's do whatever. So we, we, we met a few times and messed around and, you know, 
She'd just gotten out of rehab. And the second time, it just it just crushed me, you know. And after I talked to her, and you know, we both were in tears, and I was just apologizing. I knew I had used her. I knew that there was no long term with this girl, and she knew that too. But even so, you know, I knew she was in early sobriety, and I knew it was dangerous. I didn't know it was, it was as dangerous as much as I know now. But my actions could have killed that girl with all of her emotions and different things and her trying to regulate herself and get stabilized after being on drugs for a long time. And it tore me apart. You know, I, I, I got in the car and I drove to my <clears throat> dealer's house and I remember along the way, you know, obviously I think the prefrontal cortex was shut down and like part of me was like, this is so painful, I did this. I prayed and I'm like, God, I need you to help me here. like. I want to do this, and uh, I'm gonna be upset at you if you take it away, but I, I'm terrified, I'm not thinking right, you know, because of the rush again of all this dopamine without any oxytocin because of an unsafe experience for both of us. Please help me see what is gonna happen. And you know, he did. And all of a sudden I woke up, and I saw what would have happened had I went down that path I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful my Father in Heaven came and saved me in that situation because it could have been disastrous. You know, the third thing I want to talk about is God's law. Our Father in Heaven, the Creator of the universe. And He has decreed that these impulses, specifically having sex outside the bonds of marriage, is wrong. I can't change that. He said that. Your perception of reality does not change reality. And I realize this will upset a lot of people because they don't believe in it, but it's simply the truth. Um, you know, in the Book of Mormon, you know, there's a teaching within our church that's fairly controversial, but it is that, uh, you know, breaking these things or having these relationships outside marriage is, is like unto murder. Right? Is, and there's only two things that are more serious, we believe. And one is murder, and the other is knowing that God is there and denying Him openly after you have a pure knowledge of Him. Well, I certainly think murder is much worse, right? And, uh, you know, I, don't, I think most of us understand that, right? And obviously, there's even situations that we are have to take lives in war, different things that I, I certainly wouldn't think compromise murder or self-defense, but in general, just the act of it we know is wrong. Well, why sex? Why would it be there? Because they both deal with life. Most precious thing they have. One is the taking of life, the other is giving of life, right? And we see all the time the effects of the misuse of this power. Casual sex, you know, we have different STDs and they run rampant, right? We have babies having babies now. I think one of the biggest dangers to our society, honestly, is children being raised, you know, without a father or without a mother or sometimes without either in a household because, you know, people were not quite ready to take on that responsibility. And I'm not going to judge people in those situations. That's not up to me to do either. But I understand, especially from a therapeutic standpoint, what that does to a child. But why? Why is it? Why is it so, you know, important? Well, 
I think sex has been stigmatized, and especially in hyper-religious cultures, and it's dirty and this and that. I don't think, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Is my opinion. I think it's beautiful. I certainly think it can be exploited and it can be turned into degrading things for sure. But I think the real reason it's so sacred, the reason our Father in Heaven has put certain bounds on it, is because it is God-like power. He has given us His power. God's power is to be able to create life. And we are co-creators with God. It is to create life. And it's such a sacred thing. And within the bonds of marriage with complete fidelity, not only do we able to enjoy healthy sex where you know the oxytocin kicks in, we feel safe, we get to create life. I've created two. My my you know, girl and boy, and it's the best part of my life. They saved my life in every shape and way. I believe that's why it's such a strong view in God's eyes. I also believe God, I don't really think God punishes. I think God loves us enough to experience consequence. And, you know, by feeling the consequences of certain actions, we can either grow or not. Well... I feel the consequences of my actions regularly, and you know I've come a long way. Um, I'm not doing a lot of these things I talk about now, but I still obviously make mistakes. So those consequences are unpleasant, and they cause me to try and adjust and shift, you know, my attitude so that I I I can be better. But God gives us th this urge, this power, and you know when we when we engage in it. And when we think that friends with benefits is a thing, I've never seen someone not get hurt. And I'm not going to go into what is and what isn't benefits, right? But those illicit passions, right? At first, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, so for me, you know, I toyed with this power a while back. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't because of guilt or shame, I should say, but man was it hard to overcome and the physical withdrawals were brutal because my brain was caught up in you know this type of activity and, and you know variations of it for a sustained period of time well i was dealing with extremely high amounts of dopamine no oxytocin and then my brain was down regulating and i had become addicted addicted to someone as well. And uh, I went through physical withdrawals that caused me to shake. I've been through hardcore withdrawals from drugs. You know, you can look at, um, you can look at my story in uh, two through four and I talk about withdrawing from benzos, um, Xanax, uh, Clonopin, and it was brutal. This was in ways a lot tougher, but not also as I withdrawing, you know, uh, physically, but there was an emotional connection that was created when I decided to toy with this power that I knew should have been there because I just knew that we weren't good for each other. I just knew it, and uh, it caused extreme mental anguish and jealousy and pain and hurt. And, you know, as I was praying to God to be able to overcome the situation because I knew at that point we were just hurting each other and asking for help. I had made a promise to him. 
I'm not going to ask out women anymore unless I think there's a possibility of a future. And you know, for me, it's not too hard to have at least a bit of an idea within five, ten minutes. I typically have a pretty good read. And I know I'm a pain in the butt a lot of times and I, I can understand these things. And so I gave that part to God. I also gave, you know, and I've been good with this so far, that sexual part in, in any any setting, right? Like within the church, they have, you know, we, we believe in strong standards, you know, the touching of certain areas, right? Uh, are still looked at as sin. Well, in and of themselves, I don't know the God views those as bad, but they are progressive, right? They lead you down that path. I've never been in a situation where we've got a little frisky and then we've continued to make out and kept it just a little frisky. So I made a promise. I'm not going to try to elicit those passions. I want to find her. I want to find the one. And I don't believe I'm going to find her when I'm consistently using people, you know, in, in, even if it's in, uh, fully transparent and we both think we have an understanding. If I don't have long-term uh, ambitions, then I'm still using. That's my belief. And so I gave that part up. Well, it's gotten me a lot of lonely nights. I haven't been on a date in 14 months, you know. I, I've, I've asked, I think, a couple gals out. One had just gotten a relationship. I found out one wasn't divorced yet. One said yes and then didn't return my call. Which, that happens. and It's totally fine. Um, but, you know, I haven't asked out anyone for a long time now, for probably almost 10 months. And it's just because I, I know what I want. I understand that if I go out and I say, hey, I'm not ready for anything serious, a lot of time that makes the other party interested. And I don't want to hurt anyone. You know, this is, this is how I date now, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the number one way is C.S. Lewis has a quote. And he says, a woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. I love that quote. I know a lot of people, especially women, who don't like that quote. Well, if you don't like it, that's your own thing, right? But, you know, that's, that's, what I, that's what I do. And for me, it doesn't mean a woman that's perfect. Your heart being so close to God doesn't mean you don't have a checkered past. I don't really care much about people's past. I believe there's redemption for everything. Um, I care about what you've done to heal and where you're at now. I have a past, but I have a doctor, and uh, you know she's she's interesting. She's a beautiful gal, and um, she's she's a atheist or agnostic uh, at least, but she doesn't believe in God. But she said, Kate, I I will not have sex for at least three months because I understand when there's so much testosterone in the brain, a man cannot fall in love. Well. I've seen this when we get in relationships and it starts off with hypersexualness, that certain rush and surge of dopamine, it hinders our ability to see things that are very important, right? Well, for me, I don't need to just get action anymore. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I promise I'm fine. I, I, I don't masturbate or look at pornography. I just had my pro prostate checked. It's very healthy. Um, blue balls are not nearly as bad as we try to pretend like they are. If I don't feel an emotional connection at this point, it's, it's even hard for me to get really aroused. But I want to find the one. And so I can't afford 
in an initial beginnings of a relationship to engage in certain behaviors because I miss things and I want to find the one. So, you know, for me, it will be at least a month with, with no cuddling, not even cuddling, with no affection, stuff that way, just no pressure getting to know someone so I can see these things. You know, behavior rarely changes. It does, but not often, right? But what changes is the tolerance of behavior. And these warning signs are these things that are bothering us when we're caught up in all this web of, you know, ecstasy and, and pleasure and different things. We may look past them or miss them, and they may be okay when we're in the, the honeymoon stage and, we, you know, we're falling in love. Well, three years in, when life hits us with its severe trials, that stuff doesn't stand. It's not. It's not okay anymore right how many how many guys do i know that marry what they think was their trophy wife and then three years in have an affair with their secretary that they were never attracted to and think it's the most passionate wonderful thing that's ever happened so i'll wait and i'll I, you know for me I, I i think when guys are 78 or when we're dying at that point we probably are hopefully don't they base our life and our worth upon the conquests we've had all right, I'm glad I, I slept with that many women. It's time to go. I'm glad I made this much money, right? I don't, I don't want to be alone the rest of my life. And, you know, God has graciously given me an assurance I won't be. And I'm extremely grateful for that. But it's up to me to prepare myself. It's up to me to put myself in the right situation so that I can get the type of person I want. The woman I want wouldn't want a man who's just, you know, sharing different parts of this with, with mobile women. She just wouldn't. And, you know, I'm the same way. With that, I also, you know, the, the moment I kiss someone or the moment I engage in cuddling behavior, we're in a relationship. That doesn't mean I'm going to rush things at all. I go two for three months if I need to. But I don't share that part of me with someone and have them share it with someone else at the same time. It's sacred. It's special to me. I value myself. I don't want to share that and then be like, hey, what are you doing Thursday night? And have you be like, well, I may have something. I'll let you know. We all know what that means. <laughs> I may have another date. There may be someone I want to you know, hang out with. I might like them more. I don't like how that means. And so I can wait quite a while before getting to know someone. Before we engage in that, it's probably an understanding that, hey, as long as we engage in whatever, right, let's not do it with other people. You know, that's, that's the way I do things. Um, when I'm focused on one person, my focus is on one person. I've, I've, I've done the dating apps. I've done them. Not much. <coughs> probably... You know, a month out of six months, and I'm not saying that they don't work. I've seen people find people and be very happy. Um, but I think it, it complicates and makes things a lot harder. The advent of social media and being able to hit up whoever you want at any time, right? You know, the old bishop that was like, you know, it's like a buffet. And you gotta, you got to sample some here and sample some here and taste some here. And you kind of find out what you like. Well... I think that worked a little better before all this stuff came out, this instant stimuli and this, uh, you know, just being able to click because we like the way someone looks. But it seems a little bit harder that way. I've tried it. I, I have been on dating sites on the little time that I was on and communicating with 15 women at once, and it was exhausting. 
I don't think it was very fun, but there was no way if there was a special one, I would have had the, the capacity, brain power to give that, that uh, potential relationship the attention it needed to see if it would come to fruition because I was looking at every which way. And we get addicted to the attention of it, and it's a very real thing. So for me, I focus on one at a time and want to see where that's going. That doesn't even mean we're even a, in a relationship yet or not, but that's just the way I go. I want to, I want to find the one. I was talking with my therapist, you know, a few years ago, and I was hanging out with this gal this one time. I'm like, man, I, I swear she wants me to relapse. She wants to see me high. He's like, Kate, she's already seen you high. What do you think is happening when you're engaging in these risky sexual behaviors and you don't feel safe? What do you think your brain's at? And I realized he's, he's right. It's the same exact thing. Arguably, it's worse, right? Excessively high amounts of dopamine without anything else, and it creates these very tough situations to deal with. Well... You know, now, I want to give up everything to find her. You know, sex is important, and, and safe stuff is, is a very vital, critical aspect that I think is a beautiful part of that, but certainly not going to spend my whole life doing it. There's all these other things that come into play. Um, support, feeling love, feeling, you know, like someone has you, being united in goals, being evenly yoked. It is not easy doing things by yourself at this age. It's not easy being a single father. It's not easy doing this endeavor. It would be better with the right person. So I've made a promise to God that I'll give up all that other stuff to find her. And, you know, for me, hopefully the next woman I'm intimate, the next woman I make love with will be the last. I can't control that completely because, uh, you know, I certainly have been very careful about getting married again because I do not want to get divorced again. It was brutally hard. Um, but I think I will be very hard to divorce because uh, I've learned a ton, right? I understand women don't want solutions. They want their emotions to be validated. I'm a very hard person to argue with for long or fight with. I've, I've learned how to deal with conflict. I understand the healthy way to shut off that prefrontal cortex. But having done all that, people still have their free agency. And I can't say if I get married that it will last and we share that. But at the very least, I can say this. You know, I will wait until I am married in God's law before I make love to someone. And I will do it in God's temple where I could be sealed for time and all eternity to that woman. That's the fundamental core of the belief within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our families are forever. And we don't use the verbiage till death do us part, but for time and all eternity. I don't believe for the life of me God gave us these beautiful connections and relationships where we can love each other romantically and support each other in these relationships with father and children where you know, we care so much in the next life, you know, we don't see each other like that or we're just brother and sister, you know. I don't I don't I don't believe that at all. I believe that the whole point of it is is to unite families right and, and, and keep families together. Well, there's only one situation which I wouldn't get married in the temple and that's if 
I fell in love and married a woman who's already been married in the temple and sealed to another man, and he's passed away, and I can't be sealed to her in this life. That's something I would do. The next episode I will shoot is, you're not a stud. You're using her trauma for your gratification. And part of, you know, as I've, for the most part, most all of my divorce, and especially the last long time, I've been able to be friends with beautiful women and not take it any further than that. When I go out in public to different functions and you know, guys will say, you've got all these girls around you. And uh, guys, I have spread stuff about me all the time that I'm getting with them. The truth is I've dated maybe 1% of them, if that. Well, they come and they talk uh, with me because I'm nice to them. You know, I've had a lot of situations with a lot of beautiful women where, you know, late at night I've thought, hey, I'm sure we could uh, have a little fun. But I, I decided not to because I knew that there was no long-term potential and it would have at the very least shifted the relationship. And if I don't have long-term ambitions, I'm using them. I'm using their emotions, their body to help me feel good. I'm so glad I had not done that. And I have done that before, but not for quite a while. But I'm so glad because a lot of you women that I know, you've been there for me in some pretty sticky situations. When I've relapsed and been struggling, I've had girls come and, and help me. And my point in all this is because I talk to them, I hear their stories quite a bit. I hear their past trauma. And then I hear how men, sometimes ignorantly, a lot of the time not, manipulate that trauma into getting them to lower their guard to sleep with them. And I'm sick of it. And I will expose every way I know on earth that a man manipulates a woman. And, you know, people ask me why not talk about women. Well, I have been manipulated by a woman. I, uh, more than one, I have. I've had one use God and, uh, you know, to manipulate me and, into things. And it was extremely painful. But I tend to be a little bit more sympathetic towards women because, number one, we're three times their size. I don't have to worry on, uh, you know, uh, a physical level for uh, a woman to, you know, I don't have to worry about getting hurt, right? Um, also, we're, we're way more, you know, visually stimulated where women, unless there's a lot of trauma that messes things up, are way more emotionally. But I'm tired of people thinking they're studs because they're taking this trauma which has produced this thought in a woman's head that, that, that they're not worth it and just imprinting it and pushing it further and further and then as soon as they're done, cast them aside thinking they're a man. It doesn't make you a man. The real measure of a manhood is not how many women you can get, it's how many women you can get to see their self-worth. John Gottman has a book, um, and he is what I consider the foremost authority on relationships in, in our day. And, and one of his, what I think he, he calls it his Sistine Chapel, is The Man's Guide to Women. At one part, he talks about this seminar that he ran, and he has a bunch of men and women. And he asks a question, in the past 30 years, how many women have feared for, the, or how many men have feared for their life? You know, maybe six out of 30 raised their hand. Well, in the past year... 
Oh, maybe two, past month, zero, week, zero. He asked the same question to the women the past 30 years. Every woman raises their hand. Past year, every woman raises their hand. Past month, every woman. Past week, every single woman had feared for her life in the past week. I had no idea, no idea that they feared like that. What a gift we can give to help a woman feel safe. My hope is, you know, that we can heal uh, by jumping into something sexually, you know, emotionally with someone in order to numb. That will not speed up your healing. In fact, it will do the opposite and it will be at the expense of someone else. I'm grateful today, you know, this has been one I've tried to shoot four times. Hopefully it renders properly. Hopefully I you know, feel like this is what God's wanted me to share. You know, I, I put a lot of time and thought and prayer into these things. And I'm not always loving what some of the stuff that I feel I should talk about. But in the end, I've learned that when I listen to the promptings I get from him, it, it works out pretty well. It's not always fun in the immediate but if you like my content if it resonates with you if you want to check out more you know you can get on my youtube channel get in without a g getting your life back with kate cooper i stream this primarily through that but i also have it on the streaming services um you know spotify and uh apple and oh what's the other big one i keep forgetting it Amazon and there's another one as well. Anyway, um, if you want to check it out that way, you're welcome to. If you like my content, if you have a YouTube account or just a Gmail account, you'll be logged in. You can click the subscribe button. Uh, it's very, uh, it's red. It's right on my video, and then you'll be notified of future content. Um, but I want to help. I put. I finance this thing. It's it's you know it's my money. I put a lot of time, money, and effort into it. I'm not making any money off of it. I'm just trying to share what I think will help. If this helps you, if it resonates with you, if you think it will help people, please share it. You know, I've had a lot of people ask, "Are you are you doing one-on-one -on -one work or offers for life coaching?" Well, no, um, I do do one-on-one -on -one work, but as of now, it's just uh, volunteer work that I do with, with uh, organizations that I've been involved with. Um, I don't have the time or methods right now to do heavy one-on-one -on -one work, but you know, if I have time, I, I am willing right now, as much as I have time, sometimes I don't, to try and kind of discuss with people some of their stuff. Um, I do know wonderful people in all areas of healing people. I know wonderful therapists here in Utah and outside of Utah that are phenomenal. You know, I know people that are experts with the human body um, in healing. Uh, I did an episode with one of them, you know, Ryan Brinkerhoff. Um, I, I have a lot of resources, and so I will try to kind of send you there. But in the end, it's up to us to heal. It's up to us to heal. You know, a lot of these bad decisions we make and the way we use people and these coping mechanisms, they're the results of trauma. They're unresolved trauma, and really, we're just trying to cope. But I do not believe that trauma in and of itself is a full-on excuse for 
terrible behavior. I just don't. Uh, it certainly could be a contributing factor and it helps me be more compassionate with people, but in the end, only you can heal. Today, my life is, is, is beautiful. It, it's not easy, but it's beautiful. I have peace and, you know, I was uh, kind of pushed into getting healthier quicker and I, by the way, don't think I'm all the way healed. I think what makes me healthy is I realize the areas in which I'm unhealthy and I'm on a constant, um, you know, state of mind where I want to overcome those things because the healthier I am, the more happy I am, the more I can help other people. But for me, you know, I was so caught in drug addiction that eventually I realized I was going to die from horrible decisions and my two little kids were going to grow up without a dad. And so, you know, I made the right decision. Well, a lot of people in my situation didn't make the same decision and aren't here anymore. I've lost a lot of them. But this life is not about just, uh, you know, getting by, hanging in there. It's about thriving, living, you know, treating each other with respect, treating each other's bodies with respect. You know, not using other people to numb our pain. And regardless if you believe in this as far as God's commandment or not, if you engage in it, the physical and other aspects are still going to happen. You'll be happier. You'll be happier. In the end, if we find that one person, you know, we can share this with in a safe, loving environment and truly understand and appreciate this beautiful power and all the ways that it was God intended to. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's get our life back.